Hello there. Wowee. Where do I start with this? This is episode 74 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast. I'm Aaron Osborne. This is something I have not done since December 10, 2017 from the looks of uh, the Apple podcast app. Um, I guess if this is the first time you've ever heard this, there's 73 other ones of me talking to people. Um, I did this podcast for two years. I started in 2015. I did it up until the end of 2017 from the looks of things. And then I have spent the last two and a bit years being very lazy and not doing it. Um, in short, I had a really good time doing this podcast for a while. I talked to lots of fun people. We had lots of long chats about music and how people got into music and their life inside it and how that was relating to their personal lives and the things that they were doing and some fun promo chats with cool bands that were nice enough to let me interview them and things like that. Um, and then my work and my life and my bands that I play and all that sort of stuff got a bit busier. And then I think I forgot how to use the podcast stuff for a while. And then I lent it to my friend Solo for a while too. Uh, yeah. So I just haven't done it for ages. Um, and now that we are all locked inside our houses in Australia and elsewhere in the world because of a global pandemic, like a lot of other podcasts that are either restarting or popping up around the place, I thought I could help curb my boredom and also find a way to interact with people that was socially responsible by, by talking to them over FaceTime. So I've started recording this again. Um, thanks for listening. If you're back listening, if you used to listen before, cool. Welcome back. This is going to be a bit different. If you're brand new, also sick, welcome. Um, I'm not going to talk for too much longer because I feel like bloody Mark Marin two minutes and 25 seconds in already. But, um, basically I think the last version of the podcast was cool. It was fun. I had a great time doing it, but I think the way it finished up should probably finish up. And I'm going to keep going under the same title because it's me talking and it's the same kind of shit. But what we're going to do for a little while is talk about records and why people love those records and why um, it informs them as a musician or just as a person and why they really like it and why you should listen to it. And the first record I talked to someone about uh, was my friend Lee, who plays Impotion uh, from Sydney, a fantastic stoner doom band probably my favorite and i would say the best modern stoner doom thing that has come out of australia and every person in the band fucking rules and lee is no exception and i asked lee if he wanted to do this and he said yes and i asked what record he would like to chat about and he chose and justice for all by metallica um a record that I love as well. And as you will soon find out, we both share a lot of common feelings on and had a good chat about. Um, so this is the first version of how we do this. And much like the last podcast, I think, sorry, Lee, but it'll get better as I, <laughs> as I keep going with it. But it was fun chatting to Lee about a record we both really like. And it was cool to 
spend time in a time where we're currently a bit all over the place mentally and emotionally with uh, everything that's going on in the world to chat about something that really informed what, uh, you know, how he's found himself musically and something that I'm still reminded of every time uh, I think about Metallica and it's a cool record. Um, I'll be talking to lots of other people about lots of different records coming up soon. Got a bunch of cool people lined up from overseas and in Australia and anyone who wants to jump on and chat to me uh, on FaceTime or Zoom or whatever. Um, if you want to, if there's a record you think I should talk about, fucking let me know. If there's a, you know, person you want me to talk to, let me know and I'll reach out to them. This is going to be fun. I'm excited to do this. I think it's a cool way to chat to people in this uh, time where we're all sort of really separated and I'm going to stop rambling because this is already way too goddamn long. Um, this is episode 74 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast with my friend Lee from Potion. And here's us talking about Injustice for All by Metallica. Fucking brutal. <laughs> And we'll see how we go. All right. All right, Lee, let's fucking talk about And Justice for All, huh? I'm ready. All right. My first question of the first version of recording this new podcast is, okay, starting it off, why why did you choose the record? Why And Justice for All? Um, uh, I had a couple options, and I thought about doing Rush, because I love Rush. Mm-hmm. And Rush is like a band that I feel like in Australia doesn't have a huge fan base. So I thought it'd be cool to talk about. But I just kept coming back to Injustice for All because it's like, if I'm going to talk for 45 minutes about an album, I'm going to need to know my shit. <laughs> and I feel like uh, I've been reading shit about Injustice for All and listening to it since I was like nine years old, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's like the foundation of like my musical taste. Like everything about it is what I look for in other bands. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it, it shaped my being that record. When was the first time that you heard it? I remember this exact moment where I was at a family barbecue and it's like, it was a real cinematic moment where everyone was hanging out and all the kids were hanging out. I must've been like eight years old, like really little. And the TV was on and it was just like on a music channel, like a cable TV music channel. And like, I just happened to walk into the room and I saw the video for one. Yep. And it was the video. It didn't have the cinematic clips in it. There's mm-hmm. two versions. It was just the one of them performing in black and white. Yeah. And I just stood in front of the TV, like in silence for like eight minutes or however the fuck long it goes. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is the best. This is the best thing I've found. This is it. This is what I like. <laughs> Like the moment, like that, 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 that breakdown at the end where they're all headbanging and they're all standing in a row. I was just yeah. like, oh, this is it. This is what I'm going to, this is all I care about now. So one of the questions I wrote down, so I listened to the record today, just having a recap. Um, one, yeah. one of the questions I wrote down was, um, let's discuss the truth slash myth around them buying that movie for the music video. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know about that. Well, I, I don't know either, but I feel like it was one of those, like, I don't I, I think for me, I heard it for the, the record for the first time, maybe when I was in year seven, I guess, when yeah. I was like, just, 
you know, just finally coming to terms with my emotions over my parents getting divorced and sl- slowly moving past new metal. And- oh, that's what this record is for. You found yeah. it at the exact perfect moment. <laughs> exactly. And like, but I remember, yeah, like my introduction to the record was the same. And I think actually probably my intro, I mean, other than Enter Sandman, obviously, I think my introduction to Metallica in terms of music videos was this music video because- Everyone was like, oh, man, you got to check out this video. It's got all these crazy war clips in it. And they bought the movie. Like, they had to buy the movie. To, to- <laughs> I've never heard that before. And I was like, I, 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 I'm sure it's on Wikipedia or something. But I just remember it being like, it was one of those things like the Marilyn Manson ribs. Like, it was yeah. just the, this story that went around. It was like, yeah, they had to buy the movie. Now, they own the movie. And, they own the movie. Know, and so every, every time you rent a copy of like Johnny Gotti's gun, Metallica, yeah, it's Metallica, five bucks, it's in Lars's back pocket. Um, I, but yeah. And then now as a true, like metal dork, some, I guess it's sometime in high school, I definitely own that movie and I can safely say I've never watched it, but I have it on DVD just as but, like, but at least your $5 went to Metallica, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So when I when I went through and was listening back, I just went like through the things that really poked out to me for this record that always, I guess, have always stuck out. So I guess this, I, I suppose. Well, do do you like this album? Yes, I love it. And are you a big Metallica fan? Yeah, I would say, I would say I was a huge Metallica fan when I was in school, like most, yeah. you know, metal children. Um, yeah, but. And then I guess, like a lot of people, I found Slayer and Exodus and all the other Bay Area thrash bands. And then when I was, like, getting into death metal, they all made more sense to me. Yeah. But then I think as, like, an adult now, I would be far more likely, like, listening to this record today, I would be far more likely to listen to Metallica more often, I would say. And then I'm also, like, unabashedly fine with- songs off load and reload because I like stoner rock and stuff, you know, like. Yeah, I think I, I don't, I play them in my car sometimes and Stella fucking hates it. She's like, she's, <laughs> uh, uh, but I, it sounds like, um, like evil trucker music. <laughs> yeah. Like you can tell they were really into Danzig, like the first yes. couple Danzig records. Um, and he was just really into cars and handlebar mustaches <laughs> yeah. and it's just, Pinstripe Yeah, it's good. It's still mean, I think. Yeah. Well, but yeah, so this this record, I really liked it. And I I was one of those people who I actually never had a problem with like the sound of the record. That's the thing that this record everyone bitches and moans about so much is oh, there's no bass on it. But to me, this record sounds like the way it, it sounds the way it should sound to me. I mean, I don't know. Like it that thin guitar thing. To me, actually, sounds good for what it's doing, and like, I mean, I listening to it today. One of the things that like stuck out immediately was like that dive bomb bit in Injustice that goes from the solo into like the pit riff. I was yeah. like, I th- I still think that's one of the first di- like dive bombs in my head that was like, oh man, this is the sickest music ever. <laughs> I got man, I think that. they they do that trick all the time. I think they do that even on Kill 'Em All. Yeah. And, like, I don't know why it was that song and this record that really triggered that for me, but it was, like, yeah, I, I mean, I really like this record, and I think it's one of those things that, like, I think it's it's almost, like, one of those naff metal things now 
that you gotta hate and justice because it's yeah because it didn't have Newstead or it didn't have bass or what you know but like uh, to me this record's one of those things where like I mean some of the other things I wrote down was when did we realize that Lars was bad because this record still seems like the drumming is fine. Yeah, there's there's a lot of rumors about the drumming on this record because they don't play a lot of these songs live. Yeah. And they reckon Dyer's Eve in particular, the last track, yeah. they said that Lars was sped up. Oh, um, wow, okay. They, they've, only, they've only played it once live or once or twice. Was it um, and he, play, he played a very simplified version, yeah. <laughs> well, um, that's like- they, Yeah, they sound like a technical band. They don't sound like the Metallica you think of today. They, yeah. Um, well, I feel like, and they definitely play Blackened all the time, I think, at least. I feel like I've seen them play it. And yeah. that song's like, that's not an easy song to play, I can't imagine. Like, I don't, I mean, I can't say that I've ever spent time learning how to play Blackened on guitar, but like, the parts are cool and particularly like the circle of the way the riff works with the drums and things like that. At least at some point in his life, Lars surely had to know how to count, which he- cannot do anymore seemingly and that's the thing Lars is the arrangement guy as well Mm. so a lot of this technical shit that they're doing there's like there's transitions between riffs that are like one riff is one time signature and then the riff will change time signature for one bar and then go back like little things are just like I remember having the tab book when I was a kid and looking at it and being like whoa man and yeah they it's a technical sounding record it's it's like no one ever really calls this album a prog record but it's like Metallica's prog record, you know, it's like, um, I think for me too, I don't know. I don't, I didn't really look too far into it today, but like to me as well, this also seemed like the record where this was like the start of them, their songs just getting fucking longer and longer and longer. I don't know if that's like, I know that Kill Em All, the songs are like kind of a normal length. I know Puppets has some long songs on it too, but like, I feel like every song on this record is like minimum five minutes long. Not yeah, it's it's like um, I was I was just listening to a bunch of interviews with a band about it. Yeah, and they were saying um, they were just at this point where they'd got they'd done ride, they'd done master, um, and even though they were like still in mourning because Cliff just died, mm. they, their confidence was like through the roof. So they were just like mean, hyper successful, hyper rich, like twenty five year old coked up sad guys (laughs) very drunk the whole time yeah exactly so um um i don't remember what my point was (laughs) that's okay it's good that's that's the most important point is that they (laughs) but yeah they um yeah they were just at this point in their career i think um and they said they didn't do anything differently like with black album they had to change the whole attitude yeah um but with justice, they were just like, we're just going to make another one, and we want it to be as ferocious as as possible. And they didn't they didn't even talk about having like technical um, influences or prog influences. They were just like they were like doing what they do as good as they can do it, like songwriting, like solos, yeah, drumming. Yeah. It was just them at their best. Um, well, and I think they st- they stopped doing the long songs like directly after because they were like, I, I don't think people liked it. People, that's a, a lot of people have a problem with that about this record. Well, yeah, and that, that's, that's what was, like, obviously, I mean, obviously there's sort of Black Album was them getting with a producer who'd done Motley Crue records and done, like, yeah. you know, and that was obviously at the time they needed to do that. But then, I mean, as much as it's not good, really, in the a broad scheme of things, like, when they start, like, all their more recent records, the songs are fucking long as hell again, and they've all got 
weird guitar parts and stuff. But now they're just cooked brain drummer can't seem to like play <laughs> just straightforward time along with a guitar riff. But I, I don't actually mind the last the last album. I, it's, it's, the, it's the first Metallica album in a really long time that I found myself listening to like for fun. Yeah, like not because I'm just like like okay, let's hear what this new Metallica album sounds like. <laughs> We, uh, I, when I was in the States last year, I had in a van with a bunch of people was like, all right, who, what's everyone's vibe on St. Anger? And then we, everyone was like, oh yeah, it's okay. It's fine. It's whatever. There's cool parts. There's this, there's that. And then we put on the record and just were listening through it and talking through it. And we're like, I don't know, man. Like maybe this part that I thought was cool isn't as cool as what I thought it was. But then like- (laughs) Then when I listened to this today, again, I was like, I think in my head, like maybe this might, this might be my favorite Metallica record as well, because it's like, it's got, yeah, I mean, it, obviously it's got like wild solos and guitar parts, but I think the the thing that I like the most on this record is like, it's got a bunch of what I assume then informed the Black Album, maybe. It's got a bunch of these like wild, like hard kind of hardcore riffs and like things that definitely informed all those early metallic hardcore bands like that i mean shorter straw as like a whole song is basically a hardcore song like and yeah it's it's, it's the it's got the hardest riffs they've ever written I yeah think. and, and like, it is it, it's like so razor sharp like everyone talks about how bad the production is but to me it's just like it sounds like a giant middle finger yeah and the guitars are so like it's like blast fire like it feels like you're getting stabbed (laughs) um but i think that's that as well might be like that i I guess like maybe that's why i like it because i like listening to guitar records and to me that's what this is in a nutshell like i mean while some of their other songs are the songs that you know that people uh i guess you know click with the most like the one guitar solo was like I was the same. I had a, I had this tab book when I was a kid. And when I was, a, you know, when I was younger, I was fucking way more proficient at playing guitar than I am now. But like, I remember learning the one solo off a tab book from a yeah. guitar teacher and being like, I remember like not being able to play like riffs of basic songs, but I just learned the pattern of the one solo. So like, <laughs> I would just play that pattern all the time. Um, and I remember, that, like, I remember that being one of the things that, like, stuck out for me with uh, the album as a whole was that there's all these little these little nuggets, I suppose, of things that I really liked. And again, one of the, the biggest things that I, I thought of today, like, I haven't listened to this record in full in a long time. And there's, like, a couple songs on it that I'm not heaps, like, that Freight Ends of Sanity, that song, like, yeah, it's a- it, to me that's kind of like a skip song but like i feel like oh really uh, and, uh, and that's just me but like i feel like every even like all my favorite records have a a song that just didn't click but then i think the reason i i skip it is because i like dyer's eve so much and it's getting towards the end and i just want to hear dyer's eve <laughs> yeah man i i i have dyer's eve tattooed on my arm it's like my favorite um that's my favorite song of all time it's yeah that's one of those songs that's like i think when again when you know when i first heard this was at a time in my life when music was just you liked the song you didn't i didn't really listen to records you know like if i listened to metallica i'd listen to the five metallica songs that i liked 
Yeah. Even though it was a different time when like, I mean, now on Spotify, you can just pick whatever song you want to listen to. But back when I first heard this, I was definitely like carting around a Discman and a huge CD case with all the CDs in it. Yeah. And I'd have to be like, all right, I got to put track four on because that's, that's on this CD. But like this, that, this uh, record for me was definitely one of those ones that just got absolutely hammered. And Dyer's Eve in particular was like one of those songs that just got absolutely belted on that real scratched CD. Yeah. <laughs> like- yeah, I couldn't believe it when I was a kid. Like that song, it was that song and Damage Incorporated were like the two heaviest Metallica songs, you know. <laughs> and before I got into like extreme metal and death metal and stuff, that was that was like as heavy as it got, you know. Yeah, because uh, it was so fast and so and like there was even thrashy, like heavier thrash bands. But you know, you don't know when you're 14, so you just play the two same Metallica songs over and over again. <laughs> This is the heaviest yeah. thing you can hear. It's just this. But even like lyrically, because Dyer's Eve is such a like, like the lyrics are um, so rebellious. Yeah. Like the whole idea is like, because his parents were like, what were they? Christian scientists. Yeah. Um, so it's like a fuck you to his parents for like um, basically sheltering him his whole life. And it's got the most like, like things that you put on your MSN screen name kind of <laughs> lyrics. You know what I mean? Like just 13 year old dude. Yep. Um, and when you li- even, I listened to this the other day and just like, it makes you feel like you're 15 again. Like, sh- like immediately when I hear that song. <laughs> well, you know, if MSN ever comes back, you could <laughs> rip right into some of those screen names. Yeah. And every second letter will be capitalized, but every first letter will be small. Yeah. Good. And then somehow you'll figure out how to do like an upside down exclamation mark or something. You'll have, oh, that, yeah, yeah. you'll have that keyboard code. Yeah. I'll, I'll be working those special characters. <laughs> <laughs> you don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, all right. So one of the other things I was thinking about when I was listening to this is what is your, so, I mean, this is obviously your favorite Metallica record. Is that safe to say? Yeah. I, I, Master of Puppets was my favorite for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, and then I would say I, it kind of wore out. You know, when you listen to albums, like, so many times you can't even hear them again. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I used to listen to Master of Puppets, like, every morning, like, when I was in, like, year seven, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's like you said, I was, like, after being into hardcore, my sensibilities and heavy music changing that is when I started preaching, uh, appreciating justice because it's got those grooves and it's got it's got those riffs. Yeah, and it's just a yeah, it's just a riff fest. So it's yeah. For the first half of my life, I was I was a puppets guy, and now You've like turned. The, like, yeah, I turned at some point. So I I kind of think the same thing for me. I think we probably both come from a similar ilk, at least of that. Like, I started listening to... Well, when I started getting, like, very invested in music, it was in metal. And then I played in metal bands that never did anything and played in bands in school and stuff, and it was it was fun. But then playing in hardcore bands is when my, like, you know, starting to know people and played proper shows and started yeah. going interstate to play music and stuff all came from playing music that I actually wasn't that... not Not that into, but, like... It wasn't what I loved. Uh, it was just the way to play music kind of thing. Dude, I, I had the exact same experience. Like, I remember I remember when I was a kid and I was into metal, I um, I went to a corn concert by myself. <laughs> and I, another time, like, Danzig played the big top with Doyle. Yeah. Um, 
and I didn't have any, like a single friend that was into metal. So I just didn't go. And then I remember be, like joining hardcore bands and basically like I was just playing Metallica and, and Slayer riffs in my hardcore bands. <laughs> and there was a room full of people and I was like, dude, I couldn't even get anyone to go to fucking dancing with me like five years ago. <laughs> oh, so, God. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, but I think with that too, when I think a big thing that hardcore did, playing in hardcore bands at least did for me was it removed this weird, like, I don't know, it removed that, like, elitist sort of attitude I'd built for for no reason. Like, I know for sure, like, when I was playing in metal bands, I would play a show to, you know, 14 people in Wagga or something and be like, man, this is the best show I've ever played. Everyone here fucking loved my band. This is so sick. And then I think playing, like, really simple, basic hardcore to, like, 100, maybe 200 people really showed you the difference between like what like people getting enthusiastically into your music whether it was like basic or not it sort of that like changed my view on how i then heard things that i liked myself i don't know i don't know why but like again with a record like this it turned me into like trying to find the groove trying to find the hook trying to find the catchy part trying to th- find the thing that like kept sticking in your brain and this this album was one of those ones that had that and then i mean for me i think this record now when i think about it while it makes me think about like i mentioned before like being in year 7 and having a discman and things like that at the same time <laughs> it doing kick flips <laughs> doing kick, yeah yeah classic <laughs> throwback shit um it also makes me think about like oh now i like I like this record as an adult and it was like, it's one of those things like even for me, like when I, when I think of my favorite records, they're my favorite because I don't need to listen to them all the time. Like I can just, I can put them on whatever and it's cool. Whereas I think records, if they're, that don't stand the test as much for me are ones that I never, you know, like I have to be constantly listening to, to remind myself of what it is. Yeah. Um, for you, where where does this record sit then, I guess, in terms of you now as playing guitar and playing in bands and stuff? Is this still something that you'll go back to constantly? It, it, real, uh, it, it, it really is, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, like, because in, in Potion we have, like, eight, nine-minute songs yeah. and we've got 100 riffs per song. And uh, this record isn't something we thought about when we started the band at all. But it's something, whenever I listen to this record, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is where I got all of this from. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and, you know, I, I do like a lot of, like, prog bands. I do like Rush and, like, Yes and all that and King Crimson. But it's, like, it's more, it's, like, it's more riffy, you know? Yeah. Um. And yeah, yeah, it, it's weird. It's like sometimes it's like, do you ever watch like an old comedy movie that you like grew up watching? Yeah. And like a character says something that you say every day <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's where I got that. <laughs> now I remember. Yeah. So that this record is full of stuff like that. So yeah, it's like, right. I don't think about it when I'm writing, but when I listen to it again, I'm like, oh, that's where I kind of get that from. Or like, that's, yeah, there's certain instincts that I have that um, I can I can hear on this album. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, for me, I think I I I think my 
I think this record to me has some of their best. Like if if you look at a band like this has obviously a very prolific catalogue. I actually think this record probably song for song based on the whole record, which I guess is why I would say it's probably my favourite is it's got the, like, if I were to see them live and they were to pick songs, f- like five of the songs off this record are songs I wish they would, like, I would get to see them play. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm, I think I've seen Metallica maybe five times and I'm almost certain that I've only ever seen them, seen them play one and blackened. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I think I'm trying to remember if I've seen them play Harvester of Sorrow. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember. Cause I feel like, I feel like now I don't, and I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't pay that much attention. I just wait and s- if something comes up on YouTube, I'll watch it. But like, I feel like the last two, well, the last years before Hetfield went into another rehab stint, they were filming like every show of tours they were doing. Yeah. And putting up video, like putting up like pro shot DVD quality footage on YouTube of like a song from every single show. Man, they're actually just announced today that they're going to, um, they're going to film, they're going to live stream a live set every Monday. Oh my God. (laughs) How much much time and money do they have? Well, they've got like, I, I guess they've got some sort of like, it's like a Patreon. It's like, yeah, but they've, they've been club, doing right? it forever. Yeah. It's like a fan club that you get all this content, but, and I love Metallica. Like I can't imagine loving Metallica more than I do, but I would not fucking sit there and watch all these hours and hours of content. And it's mostly just them fucking around at, at like HQ, you know, and just like <laughs> making, making dad jokes. and like, Lars will yell at someone. <laughs> So you're you're fine with having one of their song titles on your body for the rest of your life, but by no means are you going to pay to watch them have a chin wag. Yeah, fuck no. That's not <laughs> not what this is about. Well, let's hope that some idiot listens to you and me talk about it for forty minutes. <laughs> um. All right. Well. So the next part that I I thought to talk about with these things was with a record like this. Um, how does it, do you think this still, I mean, you, you mentioned that this informs, you know, maybe subconsciously things that you do with potion, but is this record a record that you still feel influences you in how you go about being and playing in music today? What do you mean? Like you, would you say like attitude wise? Yeah, are you a raging alcoholic <laughs> cocaine? Oh, do you, do you, yeah, just mean my behavior. How does this record influence my behavior? It makes me more aggressive. Um, <laughs> I hate bass. I know. I yeah. want no bass. No, yes. I mean, I mean more. Do you do you think this is something that is still sticking in, like sticking out of how you create music? Is it still something that's informing what you do? Yeah, I think it is, especially because when I sit down to write. I have this thing where, like, I listen to bands, especially in our genre, um, where they can have, like, one or two riffs a song, and I'm so fucking jealous yeah. that they can do that, and they can be like, yes, this is good. And it takes a lot of confidence to, to do that. Because sure. if that riff sucks, your whole song fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But um, I'm so jealous of people that can do that. But I think it's because I grew up on records like this that it's just like, i got to fucking squeeze four riffs into two minutes, you know? Like, yeah. Um, and in every band I've been in, I get in fights with a band where they'll be like, all right, let's finish the song there. Or like, that's good. And I'm like, no, let's add three to four more parts. 
Um, that is a real that is a real Metallica sensibility too. F- f- like it, not, and not not like not teasing, but like in in all those in their more. I think from like this record on, that's that's like classic Metallica is the part. If you were ending on that riff, maybe just play the second riff again for whatever reason. Like, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, other than that, I think I think it's like um, I think it's the best guitar playing in in like their career as well. Yeah, I think because Kirk, like back in the day, Kirk would fucking like. All he does is play the solos. He doesn't record rhythms. He doesn't do much writing. Yeah. So he would fucking study the part for months and he would write something really, like a really specific solo. Like the three solos in one, like they get more intense uh, with each solo and they kind of have their own character. Um, And as a kid, I remember reading about that and it was like, he was talking about magic. I was like, oh my God. And now he's even admitted, like even on on the new records, he literally just improvises something and then goes back to his fucking ranch. Um. So, <laughs> yeah so like back in the day he would really put thought into it and um the, like the solo on shorter straw is fucking yeah it, it's crazy and everyone everyone kind of gives him shit because he's like he kind of is just a pentatonic guy but like all of my favorite guitarists are pentatonic guys like ace freely is a pentatonic yeah. guy <laughs> fucking yeah but I, I feel like he you know i feel like he's one of those people too who i feel like he's sort of at one point in his career as a guitar player, people were heralding him as like, you know, there, there was a, there was a time when he, you know, he was the front of every guitar magazine. Yeah. Yeah. He was like the coolest guitar player ever. And then I think, I mean, I think Metallica kind of like Slayer as well, but Slayer sort of rode a wave where they dipped out and then came back in. But like Metallica definitely are like their own worst enemy in terms of, the the image that their band has like i think like i mean obviously doing things like making a movie about how they can't get on with each other but they're all zillionaires and the you know really at the end of the day the problems that they were having was just like oh you're a bunch of people who've spent way too much time together and you have way too much money like that's, yeah. that's the problem here <laughs> but I think like he, he's one of those he's one of those guitar players for sure that like yeah when I listen to solos like off this record I'm like damn fucking Kirk rips like yeah and and, and in my generation um, like so many fucking like so many people started playing guitar because of Kirk yeah like my, all like all the first solos I learned were all Metallica solos and it's um, yeah he's the reason I picked up a guitar when I was a kid and I think yeah for our generation that's a, a lot of dudes yeah I mean. Um, I mean I think the other thing too is he was he was one of those people who, I think indirectly, but but I would say it brought it forward for a lot of people. Was like his guitars were like how I found out about old horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't really know about that until I saw Kirk Hammett play some weird solo on some you know, Guitar World magazine DVD or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, he's always been... I, I didn't know how into horror he was because now he does an actual, like... He puts on a show with all these memorabilia and stuff because he, he collects heaps of horror movie shit. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's also... He's got this way of, like... I always think a good guitar player... Um, like, if their solos are memorable and they're kind of structured well, they have, like, a beginning, middle, and end. Like, mm. I think that's way more important than kind of uh, what kind of tricky shit you throw in there, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
and well, he's always been like I can I can hum along to like every Metallica solo yeah. because the memorable, you know. Yeah, and I think I think that ties back again to like what I was saying before with the record like this, like it it sticks out to me because of the hook, like the earworm thing, and I think yeah. I think this record, I mean, obviously like. Yeah, I mean, one is, you know, one of their biggest songs, but it's because it's got just like a fucking basic as fuck double kick part that ends up being like the, you know, the foundation for what ended up being the last 30 years of hardcore, basically. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I mean, they really, I think for me, this record is where they really, to my ears, really found that that hook, at least the, the things that I remember the most are from- stick out to me from this. Do you, do you think that the songs are long-winded and overly complex? Like, do you, do you buy into that criticism? I will see that. That's, I didn't, again, like, I think when I listened to this today, I hadn't, I probably hadn't listened to the album itself in a long time. I definitely listened. I remember listening to one like a week ago when I was drunk. So that that's been that's been recent. Why was it? A, were you drinking alone? That's a very sad song to be drunk to. <laughs> yeah, I just finished watching the movie, and I needed to then recap it with the myth about them owning it. So I had to watch the music video. You know, <laughs> that, that's like the Hessian version of listening to country music when you're drunk. <laughs> Yeah, I just rips some Metallica by myself in isolation. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I, like I think um, th- listening to this record again today as a whole, like any time a song came on, like I pu- I was doing some work and I pressed, yeah, and I was just listening to it, <laughs> and I walked out of the room to feed my dog, and I was like humming the riff. I think I was humming the guitar solo, kind of like what you're talking about in the other room and I couldn't hear, like, I knew what, I knew what I was humming, but I couldn't hear the music coming out of my laptop. Like, yeah. I was in a different room and I just kept going with the part and came back <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm on time here. <laughs> like, I've figured this out. But I think- was, um, What was, what was, what, at what point did you first hear this album? Like, was it, in, in your listening to Metallica, was it, uh, how, how far down the track did you actually hear Justice? Well, I think, I mean, I think obviously I would have heard all the, um, and I mean, all the Black Album stuff first, but I, I, I would almost argue- Oh, you're frozen. Am I? Yeah. Okay, you're back. Cool. Um, yeah, I think like when I was, because I grew up overseas, when I was overseas, we got MTV and I think at the time- the first, the first actual Metallica thing I would have ever heard would have been this, the the song from the Mission Impossible soundtrack, which oh man, still I still like it. So <laughs> I, I like that song as well. I I was always disappointed that that's not what Saint Anger sounded like. Yeah, because as a kid I was like, oh man, like that was the newest Metallica song we had for a little while there. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. Um, I like it. I have seen them play it, and apparently they've only played it like a couple times live really oh yeah. man i would lose it me and jay hat saw them and they played it and we both i remember because he's a big metallic fan we both like looked at each other like i mean this was not that long ago and we both looked at each other like 
12 year olds like oh my god they're playing the mission impossible song (laughs) (laughs) man he had he had that explorer in that music video and it like the metal yeah how do you describe it like the metal like embossed great or something yeah yeah he's um his guitar basically looked like fucking like metal that you would see in a subway or something (laughs) And I was like, that is so cool. A garage door or something like yeah, that? Yeah, the, yeah, the garage door guitar. Um, but yeah, so I think for me, I would have heard that from TV and then probably like random songs off Load or Reload and then, and I mean, obviously Enter Sandman. But I think this was, I think Master, I think Master of Puppets was the first CD of theirs that I bought be- okay. because of Master of Puppets probably. And then, but I think this was the first album of theirs that I like flogged. Like this was the one that I fucking listened to all the time. And, but I think that also like burnt me a little bit with Metallica because then when I went back to Kill em All and Ride the Lightning, I didn't like them as much as I like this. Yeah. And maybe that's where amongst like my metal peers at the time, I got like the poser Metallica tag, <laughs> but, but this, this record was just the one that hit for me. And I didn't, I hadn't really thought too much about that until, until, you know, we talked about doing this and I thought about it today, but I was like, yeah, I'd say this is for sure. Like my favorite Metallica record. Yeah. Like- I, I, um, I, I think I, f- I first heard like the songs from, um, from reload and load, I think. Yeah. Uh- when the, when the music videos first came out and I used to have this friend, um, and he worked, he worked, he worked in, uh, my dad, my dad had a warehouse and he worked in, in my dad's warehouse and I used to go and just hang out with him all day. Cause when we'd go and get lunch, he would wind down the windows and we'd listen to reload really loud <laughs> and I would hang out and just watch him like, like stack like pallets all day. Just so I could get that like ten minutes where we're driving in the car with the wind, with the fucking wind in our hair, listening to Metallica. <laughs> so so you- then, but then they released S and M in uh, like ninety yeah. nine, and I got it for Christmas the same year. I got, I remember, I got a Tech Deck half pipe, <laughs> and I got a, a w, best of WCW uh, music soundtrack. Yep. and it also had a Metallica song on it. It had Seek and Destroy. <laughs> Um, this was a really <laughs> formative birthday. <laughs> it, it was, it was Christmas. It was a good Christmas. Oh, Christmas. And, um, yeah, I remember listening to all the S and M songs and being like, fuck, I've only just scratched the surface of Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> this orchestra needs to move. Yeah. And then, um, my dad would take business trips to Indonesia and because the dollar, um, Australian dollar was so good over there, he would buy like. I just tell him what CDs I wanted. So he'd come back with like a Metallica CD each trip. Um, <laughs> yeah. And when I got to justice, I was like, Oof, this is it. This is the one. That's it. I think it, a lot of it had to do with the production as well. Cause you know, when you're a kid, like, um, like recordings from the early eighties are like harsh. They're like, Oh man, like I kill them all is probably my second favorite album now. But when I was a kid, I hardly listened to it. Cause the production was kind of raw, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Justice was the first one where I was like, yeah, this is fucking heavy and in your face. And um, and I think James's vocals are probably the best on any record on this record too. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, I think this is obviously before he hits the cusp of becoming like, I mean, real crooner. <laughs> like, yeah, he's a little, he's like, he's like a little bit, yeah, but he's not all, he's not full Hetfield yet. Yeah. Like you can sense it coming. It's the first record where you can really hear it. 
He's um, not a meme at this stage. Yeah, yeah. But he goes full Hatfield on the Black Album, and it's um, I it's think too much sometimes. I think that's one of the things where that that would for me would be another signifier of him listening to heaps of Danzig would be. <laughs> you reckon that's what it was? Do you think he was um he was appropriating Danzig? Yeah, I think like I think, and it's really funny because like in those load and reload albums, that's where he starts wearing like. I mean, he, he's, like, wearing down shirts and they, they like, they took corrosion of conformity on tours and stuff. And yeah. They were, it was, like, they were, like, we can't, we can't play this the same way as them, but we'll just bring them with us so that it associates with us. But, I mean, I've read interviews with those guys and where, they, where they've said that, like, I mean, obviously doing those tours was, like, the biggest thing that blew their, their bands up. But, like, they would go on those tours... And arguably, that the the records that they were touring off were like the cooler, more underground version of what Metallica were creating yeah. for their for their thing. But at the same, yeah, like Metallica was doing like the radio version of like what COC was doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but at the same time, like, I mean, people fucking. I think they. I mean, obviously, Metallica. It's you know, it's not. Uh, brainiac thought but like they're fucking one of those bands that like people just like you know people that are like those diehard metallica fans like every record like they think every record's good and like that you mean dads people's fathers (laughs) (laughs) yeah people those kind of metallica fans like the kind of metallica fan that will describe to you in detail the home theater system like piece of equipment by piece of equipment (laughs) (laughs) that's a great description of a metallica fan you yes. know how we were talking about people who like will watch every piece of content that Metallica releases? That's that's the guy. Someone's father. Yeah. Um I mean, I think for, for with, with this record though, when if you were would this be the record if you if you were to somehow find a human being that had never heard Metallica, would this be what you would show them? Oh, that's an interesting question. If I was trying to sum up Metallica, yeah, I probably would because this is the th- all the things that I like about Metallica. Because mm-hmm. like, there's this thing that happens with a lot of bands that I like, um, where they completely destroy their own legacy over the years. Yeah. So it happens <laughs> like Kiss and Metallica, and uh, you know, almost all of the bands that I like. Yeah. So there's this thing you have to do where you have to like, like it happens with with Grizzo, our drummer, a lot. Like I'll be talking about a classic rock band and all the only context of it he knows is like, that's dad rock. That's shitty triple M. Sure. You know, what I, you know what I mean? So I have to like explain what's cool about kiss or I have to explain what's cool about ACDC. It's like, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. I have to be like, okay, what's the first song you think of when you think of kiss? And he's like, um, I was made for loving you. And I go, yeah, exactly. All right. Like that was the worst song, but it was a huge hit in Australia. So a lot of people here think of that song, but Kiss fans fucking hate that song. And then he's like, ah, yes, I see. So with Metallica, like when people think of them, they think of probably like shitty current Metallica with like Rob Trujillo doing his crab walk and like, (laughs) you know, the IMAX movie and stuff. And I think this is a really good one to show people that like, oh no, at one point they were fucking like, and they were like, this is a really underground sounding record. That's the other thing as well. Yeah. They were like on top of the world with like riffs that could be on a death metal record, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, 
yeah, just just the attitude. That fucking, like I said, it sounds like a middle finger, and that's something. I mean, I think that's something every band loses when they grow older. Yeah. Um, but I think this is the peak of that in this band, and that's what I like about Metallica. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think for me too, I think, again, to stop, not to hammer on about too much, but like, I, I feel like Dyer's Eve, if you showed that song to a person and you and they obviously didn't know the song i would and but they knew who metallica was i assume some people wouldn't even know that the start when that song started that it is metallica like it's yeah for for what metallica have become or what they are popular for it's not songs like that but to me like yeah the the note i wrote about it when i was listening to it today was like to to me like that's that's up there that's one of their best songs gotta be like gotta be at least there's a part in the beginning of that song where I don't know if this is true, but my guitar teacher, when I was a kid, he told me, you know, that really long Tom feel. Yeah. He told me that they uh, recorded it with 14 different Toms in different sizes. <laughs> Cause it slowly gets lower and lower. It's like, do, 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 do. And apparently, yeah, my guitar teacher was like 14 Toms. Hey, you know, and no, no idea if that's, that's completely, um, I have no idea if that's true. You can fact check it if you like. I feel like one aspect of this new version of me doing this podcast is going to be me and whoever the guest is espousing facts that we have no basis for. <laughs> like, I'm I'm just sticking firm on that. Metallica owned the rights to that movie. And that's, that's yeah. the movie. Metallica owns that movie. Uh, they recorded Dyer's Eve with 14 toms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that's we've got these nailed down now. Um, Kirk, Kirk Hammett was in, uh, Einstein's black book. Um, <laughs> we, got, we got a lot of hot info here. Um, yeah. all right. Well, we're, I feel like we've done some pretty good commentary on one of the most popular metal records of all time. Um, but what, I guess the sort of last, this, 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 this conversation is the exact uh, conversation that drunk and stoned, like long-haired losers have had for decades, That's and we have just re- we've just reproduced it and put it to tape for no reason. The reason I haven't done this podcast for so long was because I was just trying to figure out a way that I could record the conversation I have with people <laughs> that I've been having with people when I've been pissed since I was fourteen years old. Yeah. There's two there's two Canadians right now wearing jean vests in the forest having this exact same conversation. <laughs> There's two, there's two Canadians having it in Gene Vest, and there's also two dads on a smoker <laughs> somewhere. So yeah, in in uh uh what are they what what do they call the in a man cave? <laughs> there's two dads in a man cave having the same conversation. Is that what we this is? Yeah, we're effectively yeah, we're in a same. we're in a digital man cave right now. You and I. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you should that should be like the subheading of this podcast it's a, you know <laughs> oblivious maximus a digital man cave yeah yeah well you know that's what i'm trying to get out of this um all right well it wouldn't uh it wouldn't be a proper podcast if i didn't talk ask you questions about the band you are actually in and what you do yourself as well oh Oh yes, that old thing. What's the, what's the vibe with post with potion in isolation? How's that going? Oh, oh we're breaking up. Oh, it's, yeah. over. it's over. It's <laughs> over. Spent two weeks at home, and now it's over. Yeah, I would say my favorite part of being in a band is the shows. That's mm. what I like. <laughs> I like that the most. <laughs> and we've had and it, we- we've had that taken from us. 
Without that, no thanks. So, <laughs> we're over. Yeah, good. Um, no, I think we we have um, we've been trying to write an album for a year, and we're really bad at saying no to things because we get asked to do really cool and fun things. Yeah, and then uh, we say yes, and then the record takes a little bit longer to write. And um, at some point, I was like, "What's going to end this cycle?" <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to say I predicted it, but it was coronavirus. <laughs> it was coronavirus. <laughs> Yeah. So now I guess we're just going to write. That's, yeah. I'm kind of already, yeah, every day um, just writing, getting a lot more writing than I have done in a while. So that's sick. Well, yeah. And, and none of us can rely on it financially or anything like that. So yeah. It, yeah. We're doing okay. Well, I mean, I think one of the things that, like, I guess is going to be the easy foil for a podcast like this now is I don't have to really ask people, like, what do you got coming up? Because. <laughs> Everyone's got nothing coming up. You should ask every you should ask every guest what they want to plug. <laughs> like every episode. What do you want to plug? Oh uh, my microwave. It's really getting a fucking workout at the minute. Man, um, we don't have a microwave, so at the moment it's like we've got mints. You know how everyone's like buying the mints? We've got mints, but we need to put it out for a day to defrost because we don't have a microwave. And we're just not organ we're not organized enough to do that. It's never gonna happen. I mean, you're from. I mean, I hope that all these people that are taking all this stuff just have mints for the rest of their life. Now, I, I the, when I went to the shops the other week, I, there was a woman who just she had a shopping trolley. The only things that were in the shopping trolley were the other ingredients for tacos, and she walked up to the mints thing, and there was none <laughs> there. <laughs> and she just looked at me and goes, "What do you need all the fucking mints for?" And I was like, "Clearly, she has not got." at the time was not on board with coronavirus yet. She just got to the shops to get tacos and- Dude, there are still people like that. I, I work in an electronic store and um, because everyone's working from home now, we sold like 200 yeah. monitors. And people have come, this woman came in and she was trying to buy a monitor for a boyfriend as a birthday present. <laughs> and I was like, this is literally all we have left. We've been getting fucked. And she's like, what, what do you mean? What, why? And I was like, have you got the, have you looked outside? <laughs> There's no one out there anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was um yeah, it's crazy. It's interesting seeing. You can tell who who like how informed people are from people's behavior cuz the information moves so quickly. Oh yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing too with with this stuff too is like I've noticed this week, I mean, in my work I'm working from home, but I've noticed this week that um I realized like, oh, the the left-wing internet metal hardcore scene bubble that I'm a part of that's definitely, you know, not carried over into my work either. Like everyone is still happy to go to work and happy to go do things. And I'm like, oh, really? I'm scared of going places and I only want me and my dog to interact with each other. <laughs> and I'm talking to everyone like this, you know? I think it's like, it's one of those things where it, until people will do what they're allowed to do. Yeah. Like they have a fight, like there's like a, there's like a line drawn in the sand. So until it's, until it's a shutdown or until it's a lockdown, they'll just, they'll be like, well, it's, you know, as long as they're free to do it, they'll do it. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, it's a wild world out there. <laughs> you know, all we can do is listen to Metallica and talk about it in the digital man cave. That's where Would you at. say that this rec- would you say that this record accurately predicted what we're going through right now? <laughs> 
Yeah, that, you know, you got to buy up all the movies, then you know all the movies, then you can use the movies in your music videos. I feel like we've picked the straw to straw, like us as in humanity, you know what I mean? Society, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Oh. Um, but would you say that, would you say that Dyer's Eve is your favourite song on the, on that record? I think so. I think listening to it today, I think it was, it would either be that or Blackened, but I think Blackened is one of those ones, like, I just love the riff. Like, I love that, the, the hook riff from Blackened, but I think Dyer's Eve is, is my favourite song on it. I think for sure. Yeah. I think it's between those two as well. I have to say. Blackened is just like, it's an insane album opener. It's yeah. that, the backward, backwards harmonised crescendo intro guitar yeah, that's huge like it's insane and then um yeah that that record I, my other thing too for a big thing about that i love on records too is i love a good like bookend and that's something that i've always been trying to do with like every every i exist record all the mental cavity stuff everything i've always tried to have like an intro or a song at the start that's a hook and then that last yeah. song's a hook and everything in the middle has just got to be the the passage from getting f- from one to the other. And I, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like some of the, some of the records I, I've done it pretty well with, like, I think, but I think the first I exist record, we, we did it the best because the intro was cool. And then the last song was like a 10 minute long song. So it was, it was fun doing it like that. But like that to me, this record to me is one of those records where like, <clears throat> I've always been striving in playing music to not have that track five slump. Like you don't, yeah, you don't yeah. want people to get couple couple songs in and then go oh, fuck this and turn it off. Like you want people to want to go to the end of the record. You know? Yeah, there are some records that I think of as my favorite records, and sometimes I listen to it and I'm like, I think I only just like the first three songs because that's <laughs> only as really as far as I listen. Yeah. But I'm like, this is my, one of my favorite records. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, look, thanks for fucking talking to me about Injustice for All. Um, presuming, as we have just mentioned, there's nothing you want to really advertise, but what, uh, where can you listen to Potion? Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify and Bandcamp and, uh, Apple Music and all the regular streaming services. Mm-hmm. Um, you can buy, buy the stuff on Bandcamp. Um, yeah, yeah, great. Well, we're on the Facebook, we're on the Instagram. Look, everyone who's listening, go find those things. You'll probably get a lot of www.facebook.com <laughs> slash potion band underscore in the digital man cave. Dot the digital JPEG. Man cave. Yeah, cool. But we have broken up though, it's over. So don't, I wouldn't look us up. Now it's just, you know, us surviving in this weird bubble that we live in. Yeah. This is- I'm putting all my attention into survival. (laughs) It's just prepping for me now. (laughs) Music's over. I'm just hoarding mints. Yeah. I'm too busy filling uh, containers with um, pre-prepared food, you know. A lot of soup. There's a lot of soup happening in the world right now. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for talking to me. Um, hopefully we'll talk about another record at some point and that'll be sick. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Cheers. Have a good one.